Well, very, very often I say that uh, after our laity prayers, it's kind of hard to preach because sometimes I feel like we ought to just say amen and uh, go home. And Ken Becker's not here to say amen to that, so we're just we're just going to go on and uh, and proceed with it. But uh, I know I'm a little biased, but uh, thank you, Ethan, for that prayer. Okay. So this Sunday, uh, historically, the fourth Sunday in Lent, or excuse me, in Easter, good grief. The fourth Sunday in Easter is historically celebrated as Good Shepherd Sunday. And it's kind of fun. It's the week that we talk about the Good Shepherd. We read the 23rd Psalm. We read John 10. And we just remember the fact that one of the ways that God revealed himself to us when he wanted to show us what he was like and how we should relate to him instead of, you know, some other metaphor, he used the metaphor of a shepherd. And so something we can understand, that we know what it's like to speak to animals and to lead animals and to be led by others. And so it's a fun Sunday. It is also Mother's Day. And so a lot of that work is work that is familiar to those who mother us, the work of a shepherd. So I think the work of mothering is so critical that we uh, typically need more than one mothering presence in our lives before it's all said and done. Uh, we we just buried a woman here a few uh, weeks back named Jean Lee, and many people in the community saw her that way as sort of a spiritual mother, someone who mothered them in the faith. And so uh, it's it's appropriate and good to remember those who have mothered us in our spiritual journey. I was tracing back what turned out to be kind of a trail of grief back to uh, people that have nurtured me and mothered me in my life. And I was particularly reminded of uh, a woman who who mothered me when I was a teenager. And some of you uh, moms or people who have mothered teenagers, you can relate and resonate uh, with with what that experience is like. So I was your typical teenager in many ways, I'm sure. I was very uh, self-absorbed and self-involved. I was a hard worker, but I pretty much you know, thought that I had the world figured out. And so uh, I, I, I needed people. You know, my own mother is, is a wonderful person, and uh, she was a great mom to me. Uh, but I, I needed a lot of help, which, you know, a lot hadn't changed there. But uh, so I was thinking back to this, this woman who, when, when I was, you know, grew up working in ranch life. And, and uh, so I, this, this person was somebody that I respected not only as a human being, but she was a great, what we call on the ranch, a great hand. She knew how to make a hand. Uh, she could outrope most of the guys. Uh, she could outride most of the guys. Her brother was a national finals rodeo qualifier and calf roping for years, and she could rope just as well as he could. Uh, just wasn't as big and strong, and, and so I learned a lot from her in, in that side of things. But she also uh, just taught me a lot about being a young man in the world because uh, I spent so much time with them as we worked together in the summers and on weekends and and. Uh, so the reason I came to that memory through grief is that I had to attend her funeral a few summers ago. And uh, I just bawled like a baby through the whole thing because I remembered how much of her life she had given to me when I did not deserve it. And how many people would miss out on the life that she had to give going forward. On a much lighter note, the subject of mothering and uh, has, has come up as recently as yesterday as we in Sweetwater uh, celebrated or endured, depending on where you stood, 
uh, the eighth grade banquet. And so, so eighth grade banquet is a great example of how mothering is a community effort, right? It's like a rite of passage. And then in order to come through it, you need like all the moms like tagging in and out and who's going to do hair and who's going to do nails and who's going to pick dress and who's going to, I mean, we go through the whole thing. And, and then there are people that are specially appointed just to like counsel dads, uh, because otherwise we would just like be walking around in a ditch somewhere, uh, after these events. So, you know, rite of passage, community motherhood, all these things. Okay. Multifaceted work of mother. Our text today is from John chapter 10. And I want to read it to you now. It's uh, starting in verse 22. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around Jesus and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe me because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This whole chapter of John 10 is, is fun. It's a discourse in knowing and in speaking and in calling uh, and how we talk to animals. And Jesus using that metaphor of, of the shepherd and the sheep. And he's, he's kind of upbraiding the Jewish leaders who aren't recognizing him as the Messiah, as the Son of God. They want more data. They want more information. They want another spreadsheet to analyze. They want clear scientific evidence that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus just hasn't given them. He's like, I've done all the stuff that I've done in the name of my Father, and I continue to do the work, and I say the things, and you guys aren't trusting me. You're not hearing me. Uh, and so if, I don't know what else to tell you. you know. And, and so he's speaking to them in that way and kind of in that tone of voice. And they're, they're looking for something else in the Messiah. So Jesus is, is reminding them, hey, the people that are responding that you see that are being healed and the, the man born blind who you thought he was born blind because of something his parents did wrong and all these things, he's saying this is not how it works in the kingdom of God. And people like that, they're hearing my voice. They're responding to me. They're believing in me. And he's inviting the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders to do the same. So Jesus in the wintertime is, is teaching in the temple, uh, the Feast of Dedication, uh, it's it's kind of uh, it's, it's what we celebrate today or celebrate today is Hanukkah. It's like a festival of lights. It's to celebrate the rededication of the temple after the temple was desecrated, uh, you know, in Jesus' time before he was born and right in there. And so when when the worship of God came back in its appropriate fashion in the temple, they had this this big party and and this was the feast of dedication and that's what it was. So it was a big time. It was winter time and everyone it was excited. So Jesus is still continuing in conversation, and people are asking him all these questions. Jesus, why don't you just tell us plainly? Just just lay it out for us and tell us who you are. And Jesus says, I've already told you, and you don't believe. He says it again and again, calling attention to what he does. And it's amazing to me that Jesus reveals himself here. He chooses the metaphor of shepherd to tell these folks what they should be looking for. Because then, back then, just like us today, we always want something a little more immediate. We all would love it if every divine question that we had, 
if everything we wanted to know about God and how we relate to God and the decisions we should make in the world, if we just had a step-by-step GPS map thing that told us every step, should I do this? Yes. Should I do that? No. Should I walk this? Yes. Should I make this phone call? No. Should I do? What should I do? When should I do it? How should I do? We all would like that because it would just help us. You know, we're so used to that. I want to get over there. I want to drive there. I can just plug it in and Siri will tell me exactly what I need to know. We would welcome that if that kind of spirituality were available. And there are people that still try to sell that kind of spirituality. Jesus was not one of those people. He said, no, you've got to know my voice. And, and I call you by name. And I'm, I'm a shepherd. You know, this is how this works. And so you think about shepherds and what they do. They create space for sheep to flourish. That's what a shepherd does. Uh, if you've raised other kinds of animals, you know how this works. You create boundaries for animals to live in where they can be kept in for the things that they need to survive, water, food, uh, other animals. And then you keep out the things that would prohibit their survival and their flourishing. Uh, and when they're young, you know, it'd be coyotes and all the things. You do different things to keep the bad stuff out and to keep the animals in. Jesus goes to great length and he talks about gates and, you know, implies walls and fences that are required to uh, keep sheep healthy, to give this space to flourish. Uh, there's, you know, you, you, you want to keep uh, the wolves out. You want to keep the thieves out, the robbers out. And so you have these fences, you have these boundaries that help with that. Uh, you have gates that can be monitored that you can go in and out of without destroying the fence that's meant to keep the bad stuff out and the good stuff in. And so then also there's this naming practice, which we don't do. You know, if you're running a herd of you know, 500 mama cows, you can't name them all. But if you've got a small herd of sheep and you're kind of journeying them through the countryside, you know every single one of those sheep by name. And they learn to recognize the sound of your voice and they follow just like we name our domestic pets, and we have what we'd like to think is a special relationship. Some of us think our pets mind better and understand us more than they actually do, uh, but that's usually on us. So uh, someone to follow, green pastures, you know, shepherds take their sheep to places where they can flourish, where they can grow. They take them to the best pastures that are available for that season, the highest protein grasses, all of that stuff. That's what good shepherds, good uh, herdsmen do. When you think of the work that way, that's the same work that mothers do, right? Mother, the work of mothering is creating space for people to flourish. It creates space for people, for their kids and others to flourish. They teach us from a young age what certain boundaries are there to protect us, to give us life, the places we can run full bore and the places we have to stay away from. The foods that we can eat that will make us healthy and strong and the foods that we can eat on occasion uh, for special occasions. But if we ate them all the time, uh, our lives would uh, deteriorate. They teach us about behavior. They teach us how to interact with other human beings in a way that gives life instead of taking life away. That's what mothers do for us. So shepherds create space for life. Mothers create space for life. Jesus creates space for life. That's what he does. He's setting us up for abundant life. He spells it out there in John 10. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. That's part of Jesus' work. 
space for us, for believers, for followers to flourish. And just like shepherds have walls and fences and gates and names and someone to follow and places to go, we as followers of Jesus, we have those things. We learn from an early age, and Avon mentioned in his laity prayer, uh, thanksgiving for God's laws. You know, help us to follow those laws, those laws that were not given to us just to tell us no all the time, just to keep us from doing stuff. Those laws were given that we can love in the fullest capacity. Those laws were given so that we learn how to flourish in life. There's sort of these fences that we build around our lives as we journey forward as the people of God. And we learn, okay, this is what is in my wheelhouse as a Christian. This is what is out. This is how I can bring life to the people around me and bring life in my own life to myself. Naming. We celebrated this this morning in in baptism. We talked about how in in baptism we we always say something about how God has named us. He's given us a unique name. He's marked us in a way that no one can ever take away from us. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. We hear the voice of the Father with whom I am well pleased. We celebrate that voice that is speaking to us and speaking over us in the waters of our baptism. And we remember every time we see water like that, and we remember that God has called us out, that he has marked us, that we belong to him. As I mentioned earlier, God creates space by giving us someone to follow. He didn't just give us a set of instructions. And although, although the law is wonderful, he didn't just give us the law. But he gave us a picture. He gave us an image. He gave us a human being that we call Jesus and showed us the way to live. So when we have questions about how we should be in the world, we don't have to open instructions. We can look at Jesus. And Jesus will show us the way. We follow the good shepherd, trusting that he knows where the green pastures are. He knows where to lead us. And he shows us how to be leaders in his wake. Okay, so if you go through just that little section in in the text that we read today, there are a few things that Jesus says that either belong to the sheep or that happen to the sheep. The sheep, things that the sheep can count on. So I just want to go through those four things right now. The first is that the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. They recognize the shepherd's voice. They know the shepherd's voice. And therefore, they can follow the shepherd. So these are things we receive as Followers of Jesus, we learn to hear his voice. We learn to follow him in the world. The third thing is that those who follow Jesus, that the sheep, will never perish. They will never perish. And this perishing language sounds familiar to us as readers of John's Gospel because we remember the great John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son for, for us to follow. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. So there it is. Not perishing is part of our inheritance as sheep that follow the good shepherd. Not perishing. Uh, other John language for that comes from chapter 8, where he tells us that we as believers in Jesus will not taste death. So there's a difference between dying and tasting death, which we'll talk about in a moment. And the last thing is that that sheep receive here in in this portion of the text is that 
no one is able to yank them away from the Father. No one is able to pull them away from the shepherd. Once they're in the fold, once they're there, and the sheep, I mean, the shepherd has his hand on them, no one can take them away. Security. So backing up to number three, uh, not perishing, not tasting death. We know all too well in this world that biological life can be taken away from us. We're reminded of that, sadly, every single day. Life is so fragile. Life that we live to the full can just be gone like that. Biological life can be taken away. And so there's a difference in that life, that biological life being taken away, and the eternal life that Jesus is talking about here that can be given to us even in the face of the loss of biological life. That even for those who lose biological life, which all of us will someday, we do not have to taste death. In other words, death doesn't have to be the final word. When we believe in Christ, we follow Christ, there is a greater word than even death itself. As awful and as final as death can be for our biological existence, it's not the end of the story. There's a resurrection. There's eternal life. And that's what we celebrate in this season. And as we think about the, the promise that no one is able to take us out of the Father's hand, uh, again, that's one of those things you don't need me to remind you about. You can make your own list in a heartbeat. Uh, we can make a law. We could go around the room and make a list that wouldn't fit on all the paper in the room. For all of the reasons and all of the things that can be taken away from us in this life. I was listening to a story yesterday of, of someone that was, uh, like many people, that borrowed money to go to college. And uh, it was about 30 years ago and kind of had a plan for how they're going to pay that, those student loans off. And, and then kind of the game changed a little bit. They thought they were going to get in on a loan forgiveness program. They didn't. And all these different things happen. And the snowball just keeps building. And they feel like their life was literally taken away. You know, they went to school thinking that was going to do it. And uh, you know, that's just one example. We have hundreds of those examples of things that can be taken away from us. We know what it's like to have our health taken away from us. We can have our houses taken away. We can have our possessions taken away. Just last night, someone tried to break into my pickup. You know, I mean, this, this stuff happens all the time. Our cash can be taken away. Our investments can be taken away. The job that we had hoped for, that we were perfect for, that our resume matched, that we waited for for five years till the other person retired, that can be taken away from us. Our friends can be taken away from us. They move away. We move away. We lose friendships. We lose connections. Life is so fragile. So, as we kind of work that in to a response, to a prayerful response, um, I'm pretty simple when it comes to prayer. I have way more questions about prayer than I have answers about prayer. Uh, I think prayer itself is just so much, so many times, is, is questioning and arguing and grieving and moving. And so the Lord's Prayer really helps me in my daily prayer. It's one of the things that I go to all the time. It's just something I can always grab and that keeps me uh, on track and that guides me in my prayer. And I've never really thought of this as we pray, but, you know, we start out with our Father. And there are so many things that we can reflect on in just those two words, our Father. And so this week, in response to the John 10 text, 
and the promise that we cannot be snatched out of the hand of the Father, I've wondered what would it be like if when I pray this prayer for the next days or weeks, what if I gave specific attention to our Father, the one who will never let me go, the one that will never let us be yanked away out of his hand? What would that do for my understanding and experience of prayer? Maybe our meditations on the Lord's Prayer should include that, that, the awareness that no one can take us away from the Father, from the God to whom we belong. You know, I think, I think this is kind of what St. Paul had in mind when he wrote to the Romans, uh, to the church in Rome, when he wrote, you know, hey, if God is for us, well, who can be against us? He wasn't saying that all the things that happen in life should be minimalized. Or, oh, no big deal, death, ah, just blow it off, you know, just walk on by. But he was saying in the wake of all of the awful things that we face, death and sickness, all of the things that can be gone in an instant, you can just hear Paul welling up with joy saying, but if God is for us, if God holds on to us, who can be against us? So as we close today, I think that that security, that when we as Christians have security, that no one can yank us away from God, no one can drag us away from God, no one can uh, remove us from our inheritance that we possess with God. I mean, we, we still have free will. We can walk away from God. We can ignore God. We can stiff-arm God. We can do all that stuff. No one can pull us away from our sonship, from the fact that we are marked as sons and daughters. And so that security, I think just like when we're secure, you know, we have a place to live, and we have a roof over our head, and we have food to eat, we, we can respond with strength. When we have security in faith, and our faith grows, and we trust God, and we trust, and we realize, I, can't, I, can, I can belong to this God, and no one can yank me away, kind of security makes us the kind of leaders that we want to be. Without that kind of security, we can't lead like good shepherds in the world. Because we know the reason that Jesus has to tell us, I'm the good shepherd, is because we live in a world of false shepherds, of bad shepherds. There are awful shepherds out there, people who have the authority and the privilege of leading, and they lead in such a way that they take life away from those that they lead. And Jesus is saying the way you can recognize a good shepherd is the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's it. That's the qualification. The good shepherd serves and lays down his life. The bad shepherd takes life away from people. So just invite us to consider as we wrap up today, what is the quality of our leadership? What is the quality of our following? And then what is the quality of our, when it's our turn to lead and we are shepherds in the world, what is the quality of that leadership? And uh, are we secure in where we stand with God? And does that enable us to lead with strength and security? Or are we still struggling with that insecurity of wondering whether we belong? And we sort of translate that and pass that off to those that we lead. It's a constant temptation and a constant challenge. Uh, so as we've heard God's word today, and as we've heard Jesus' invitation uh, to live abundantly, uh, would you pray with me as we respond to his word? Heavenly Father.
thank you for sending us the good shepherd to live among us, to lay down his life for us, and to be resurrected on the third day to pave a way, to make a way for us to live life to the full. Would you give us the security that we belong to you, that no one can take us away from you? And would you let that security make us strong as leaders, make us strong as mothers, and make us strong as those who have authority to call out to others in this world and lead them in the way that we should go. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.